This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him today as we talk and we're broadcasting you from Dallas, Texas, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. Check them out online, christianleadershipalliance.org. If you are a nonprofit and you are a, Christ, a Christian nonprofit, a nonprofit formed around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you want to know how to be excellent, you want to be surrounded by people who are, who are striving to be excellent, be good stewards, to be uh, efficient and effective in what you do and be surrounded by other nonprofits that want, to, want the exact same thing, check out Christian Leadership Alliance online, christianleadershipalliance.com. Martha. You know, Jim, so one of the things that we've been doing while we are at the um, Outcomes Conference is doing interviews with so many of the speakers and guests, and we're so thrilled that these um, shows are not only available on our podcast platform after they've been broadcast, but also on CLA TV. So I just want to give a shout out. The people that are within the membership have that opportunity to watch that and or listen to it and have access to it. So um, it's just a great collaboration, and we um, are excited to be here and hear what we have in store today. Yeah, I'm not sure how we do with the CLA TV thing because I was told that I had a face for radio, so um, I hope we don't <laughs> screw up the whole TV channel thing. All right, so today we're going to talk with Matt Bird from the Cinnamon Network International. Now, before you think we've turned into to the Food Radio Network, just know that today we're talking about the global kingdom movement that is happening all around the world. Matt Bird brings us his perspective all the way from across the pond in the UK. Matt Bird, welcome to I Work hey, For Him. it's great to be with you, Jim and Martha. What, a, what an excitement. Yeah, well, you know, for doing this show today, to have you here, we're fantastic. You're not the first person we've had from the UK, but probably within the first five. So, because most of the people are going to bed when we're broadcasting live on the radio, so over there uh, in, in the UK. But we're so grateful, and we know that the Lord is doing amazing things over there, because we've heard incredible stories. For sure. There's so, some great stuff going on. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, but first, before we always ask this question of every first-time guest on I Work For Him, how did you become a Jesus follower? I met some young people when I was 19 years old who loved Jesus. I thought they were rather weird. Uh, it made me feel uncomfortable. But I saw there was something about their faith that was very tangible and real. And I couldn't escape it. And uh, I remember hearing this guy talking about, the, about Jesus and what he'd done for me and his love and forgiveness for me. And I just asked somebody to pray with me. And that happened at the age of 19 years old. And I, I remember the following year, I trained as a counselor for the Billy Graham to Mission London campaign. Wow, uh, a year campaign. later. Yeah, just a year later. And I sat there every night listening to Billy. And at the end of the week, I was convinced that God was also calling me to preach. And I've been preaching the gospel around the world ever since. That's pretty fantastic. That is. So... so with that, I mean, were you in school at the time when that happened? Were you thinking that you were going in one trajectory and this really led you in another? Or yeah, what happened I was. There? I was actually doing research and development in, the, in our Ministry of Defense in the UK and uh, working on the Trident-class submarines. Wow. And uh, so I was a point, what they call a pointy head. Okay. <laughs> you know, geeky guy. <laughs> and, uh, I what met, did you say that? Did you just say a naughty word on the air? Geeky. Geeky. Is that, is okay. that naughty? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was doing that and uh, meeting Jesus, and I was just sold out for him. And I must say, it was rather naive of me at the time, but I thought in, in order to serve Jesus with my life, I had to give up my job. 
and go and work in a church or for a Christian agency. And it was naive, it was wrong, but that's what I did. I gave everything up mm -hmm. and I went off to, uh, to Bible college and then I church planted and, and the story's gone on. So, I mean, but that story, we've heard that story from around the globe, that, a lot, that, that there's this whole misnomer that if you're gonna be a Jesus follower, you can't possibly have a job out there in the industry, in the marketplace, in a workplace that's not in the pulpit or the mission field, that there's some sort of a second tier calling. You got the first tier, the pastor and the missionary, the second tier, well, that's the rest of us. And just we're just supposed to there, be there to make money and then give it to the people who have the first tier calling. Totally distorted. But, but that's, you had the same experience. We live 6,000 miles from each other. I grew up in Minneapolis, so that's 7,000 miles but you had exactly the same story. Absolutely, but I've made up for it now because uh, I've started a number of businesses uh, and so alongside my NGO, Cinnamon Network International, I run a business called Relationology. Now, NGO is one of those international uh, acronyms, so why don't you explain oh, yeah. that? Yeah, that's NGO. You hear about that on some of those, you know, great, uh, um, you know, when you're watching like the, I don't know, the Nature Channel or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that. It's a non-profit, it's a non-profit. But alongside my non-profit, I run a business called Relationology. And actually work into the financial services sector with banks, private banks, investment firms, helping them drive revenue growth by building powerful relationships with their clients. And actually Jesus has called me to that. And that is a full part of my ministry. So, uh, yeah, I got it wrong earlier on, but uh, it didn't go all wrong. And uh, I'm, I'm both serving the church and serving the kingdom in the marketplace. Amen. So when you were, you said you were doing church planting. When you were church planting, at what point in time did, did, did the Lord smack you upside the head and say, Matt, you've got this screwed up. No, you don't have to be a pastor to be my follower. And what time did you realize, hey, business people, people out there in the workplace, because it's the marketplaces and the workplaces around the globe. At what point in time do you say, they're making just as big of an impact. In fact, a lot of times out there in the marketplace and the workplaces of our globe, they actually have way more exposure to people that are pre-Christians, that are pre-believers than pastors do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it was rather more basic than that. I thought, hey, one, one day I'm gonna, gonna meet Mrs. Wright and I'm gonna have kids and uh, I don't think I can support them living how I'm living. So I thought, I'm gonna try and get myself a proper job. So, oh. so I did an MBA, and, and I'm not one for actually getting jobs. I've never had a job in my life. I've always created jobs. So I started something. And, uh, but, you know, I get the opportunity now to speak in front of audiences of business people. And, and whilst I'm not preaching, I am preaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got the same passion and motivation. Um, I'm actually teaching the same kingdom values in banks as I am in churches. Excellent. But I'm just using values language right. rather than Bible language. Well, I mean, that's the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. I mean, it's all about communicating what Jesus did each and every day. I mean, I just, that, that whole idea of love. People need to know that they're loved and appreciated. They need relationology. I can't wait to hear about that book. I mean, I, we didn't get a copy ahead of time to preview, but well, you know, you, you could, could speed just, read it right now, Jim. Uh, we could speed read it. I could smell the ink. I love the smell of the ink of a fresh book. There's no question about that. All right. So Matt, just tell us when you talk about your experience with the Christian Leadership Alliance, is this your first time to an outcomes conference? This is my very first time. I went, met the wonderful Tammy Heim uh, last year. You got to meet Tammy Heim? Yeah, for real. Face to face? Face Whoa. to face. 
Man, big deal. That is a big deal. She, there is very, there are very few people in our lives. I work for him. The ministry of I work for him that are are huge encouragers that are super like steroid size encouragers to our ministry. Tammy Heim is one of them. She is indeed. So I met Tammy and she said, "Hey, I like you. Do you want to come to our gig?" In Dallas next year? She said year? gig. Did she say I gig? I think that's probably my language. Okay, that, that that's what you little, heard. It I, sounds a little British. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, yeah. So uh, they've actually invited me to be, obviously I'm here this year, but they've invited me next year as well. I mean, I've, I've heard that they've invited you to speak like you're one of the keynotes next yeah, year. Yeah, doing the opening Do you know one. what you're going to speak about next year? Well, I know the theme and it's transformation and that's my heart. The transformation of God in our nation and nations and seeing what he's doing to bring about his kingdom on earth as in heaven. That's my passion. Mm. And that's something we love to talk about because of the fact that so many people need to have their paradigm shifted. This, this, what you've lived out, we talk about on a daily basis here and I work for him in letting the Lord transform us into the person he wants us to be yes. and no longer copying the behaviors and customs of this world thinking that the only way to be a pastor is to be at the pulpit yeah. rather than the pastor of your workplace. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've really gone through that transformation and can speak yeah. from the heart. Absolutely. And I believe, you know, whether you believe in God or not, you're created in his image mm -hmm. and God is relational. So you're made for relationships. So whatever your belief system, you only become fully human and fully who you can be in relationship with others. So if I'm preaching at the, sorry, if I'm doing a keynote speech for the Federal Reserve Bank or one of my clients here in the US. You know, I'm just speaking life into people's lives and helping them to become fully who God meant them to be. And I'm not using God language, but it's the, it's the values of who you are and how you relate to others. As I was mentioning in my keynote speech yesterday, that African phrase, Ubuntu, that concept that I am because others are. And understanding we're not just defined by our own personality, but we're defined by who we are in relation to other people. And what's incredible about that is that our Heavenly Father created, there's seven and a half billion of us on the planet. We all experience Him in our unique way because we're all unique beings, and we all have a different kind of relationship with Him, yet we all worship Him, but in different ways. Today, we're talking with Matt Bird. He, you could check him out online, cinnamoninternational.com, but if you want to hear his great accent, for all of you people sitting here in Texas or all over the globe, everybody loves hearing a great British accent, cinnamoninternational.com. It just sounds like he's smart whether he is or not, just because he has that accent, so it's cool. <laughs> but Matt, you said you have a master's degree, right? Oh, I have a couple, yeah. You have a couple of master's degrees, master. so you probably are smart then. You don't just have the accent, you're actually smart. No, I'm just... Doggedly determined. Doggedly determined. <laughs> like yeah. That. yeah no, I've got a master's in business and a master's in missiology. Wow. So I, I, I kind of move both ways. But you know, there's a lot of seminaries now, like Fuller Seminary out of California. They won't let their pastors get an MDiv without an MBA because they need, because pastors need to understand how to run a business, not just how to preach. Yeah. Well, lots of churches are bigger than, than businesses. So exactly. Absolutely. They're all, all of the churches are businesses. Martha. You know, so I was just thinking about this whole um, concept that you were saying, you know, we, we were made for relationship, and yes. I really wanted us to delve into that. But in terms of when you said, you know, and when I'm speaking at a bank and I'm sharing this. You didn't say the bank. He said the Federal okay. Reserve. Or any bank. Well, you know, <laughs> or any, just, just any just old bank. bank. But, um, but the whole concept that you are truly speaking life into them, and I can only imagine for some of those people who've not experienced relationship within the church, they just 
sp are like sponges. Is that what you experience? Because you're saying something that they were created to hear. Yeah, I mean, relationships resonate with us all. Mm -hmm. And all the research says that we only become, we only thrive and flourish in relationship with other people. So the Harvard study of adult development, it's the longest longitudinal study in history, now running into eight decades. Mm. It, it, it's, the third director of study said happiness is love. You know, happiness in life is defined by a relationship with other people. The fourth director of studies, uh, Robert Waldinger, professor, he said uh, the quality of our relationships at 50 years old is the biggest influence on our health at 80 years old. So, yeah, cut the burgers, oh, oh, get say active. Say that again. The quality of our relationships at 50 years old is one of the biggest factors determining our health at 80 years old. So, yeah, cut out the burgers, uh, get off the sofa and get active, but more than wait, that... Wait, 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 Get out there and build you relationships. You said the quality of our relationship at 50 impacts our health at 80. You didn't say anything about quitting eating hamburgers. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not saying don't, you, but... but just, wait a minute, but... But, but social relationships Listen, have a big... I'm sensitive to my hamburgers here, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I know... I know Social Sorry. relationships have a bigger impact on our health than our diet and our activity regime. In fact, there's another study, um, Social Relationships and Mortality Risk, uh, by Professor Juliet Holt-Langster uh, from Brigham Young University. And she says that actually people with strong social relationships, their mortality risk is reduced by more than half. But we're so all going to die. But We're you're, all saying die. you're saying the second half of life will be significantly more enjoyable and we will enjoy through the end of life if we have those deep relationships. That's what the Harvard research has shown. Well, and everything Harvard says is right. Well. Okay, all right. But you said that The they, Bible says it's right. Ah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now you're listening. I know. See, see Harvard used to, was based on, there was founded on the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Not so much. But, but you're saying after eight decades of them studying relationships, they understand now that love really does make the world go around. Yeah, and, and I love it when higher-level research resonates with what the Bible tells us and teaches us. So I don't need to reference the Bible in banks. I just, I just talk about the research. But for me, it resonates with my understanding of who God is and who I am in God and, uh, and how people flourish and thrive in life. And it is through relationships in the commercial space. You will make more money if you have strong relationships. You will have higher performance as a leader if you have strong relationships. The facts are out there. So what are you how, how then are you translating that into, I mean, obviously it doesn't need to be translated, but how are you helping them to implement that? Who thinks about having relationships within those very structured environments, and how are you getting them to do that? Yeah, well, I, I work uh, with them as a, an inspirational keynote, motivational speaker, and I run masterclass programs, helping them develop the skills and techniques and approaches and strategies to actually be intentional and deliberate about relationships. Because the fact is, most people are accidental about relationships. Mm. And I, the, the, the core of my message and the core of my work is helping people stop being accidental and start being intentional about one of the most important ingredients of their lives, which is their relationships. And the things that you're teaching them in the work environment, are they able to then take that home and translate it to all the relationships? For sure. But my focus is on the workplace. Mm -hmm. I'm interested and my clients are interested in driving performance. Mm -hmm. And they're interested in driving revenue growth. 
Right, that's what business is all about. Absolutely. But you're saying what drives performance, what drives revenue growth, what gives them a great ROI is relationships. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is why you wrote this book, Relationology. Relationology. And that all started because I was asked to speak at a business conference on the subject of networking. And I said to the organizer, I'd, I'm, thank you for the invitation, but I, I can't accept because I hate networking. I find it grubby, manipulative, disingenuous. They're a little shocked. So I did follow up and say, but I do believe in the power of relationships to grow people, teams, and business. They said, will I speak on that subject? I agreed. Didn't want to become known as the anti-networking guy. So I thought I needed to come up with another name. Okay, but, but, oh, but I would say that's how you develop relationality. I mean, but here's the deal though networking in, in the room that we're in right now, there are hundreds of people and they're networking, they're connecting, and it's kingdom connections. And so that, that networking, I believe networking is actually a spiritual gift because the ability to connect two people across the kingdom that are in similar fields that need, that, or that can complement each other, or that can slot alongside of each other, that's a powerful tool. Now, some networking is just strictly hey would you please give me a lead because i need to sell something that's different so it's, it's through grubby. your lens yeah so i i actually advise people to stop networking jim uh stop networking and build rela and start relationships because actually the words most people find networking uncomfortable most mm -hmm. people here at the cla conference will be with will not want to do networking or be networked but they're really open to building authentic relationships. Yes. And I'm probably creating a straw man position. But, but, but it's okay, I got a lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've been talk stood talking to somebody and they've been asking you questions. You think they're interested in you. And then all of a sudden you think, they're just trying to check me out to see if I can be useful mm -hmm. to, to them or not. And if they think you can be useful, they'll stick around. If not, they'll, they'll shoot off. Or they're stood talking to you and we all, our eyes all wander, but they're constantly looking over your shoulder because they th think somebody more important's walked into the room. That's networking. That's why I hate networking. Networking. I'm into building authentic, genuine relationships with people. So then define that for us. Help us to understand how, what are you having to um, break down in their thinking to get them to really think about relationship? Yeah, I mean, part of it is motivation. Because with, in networking, you're taught give to get. Find somebody you want something from, then give to them so they'll give back to you. Give I mean, that's to it in a get nutshell. To give. That's mm -hmm. right. So, uh, relationology is based on the principle of give to grow. Give into relationships, give to the people you meet, because you will grow through giving. Okay, but Jesus was a huge networker. He was a relationologist, Jim. I think it's the definition thing. Because I would tell you that I think networking is the most powerful tool that has helped I work for him, be able to cover stories across the country because we keep connecting. Okay, and I'm going to interrupt him because he is all about relationship. He calls it networking, but he doesn't network like the people at the chamber. You know, he is, he actually finds out what their family needs are, yeah. he finds out what, you know, what kind of car they drive, because he actually cares, yeah, not Ma because he just wants to yeah. you know, put it in his Rolodex. Yeah, Martha, I think this is Jim's Damascus Road experience. I think so. I think from this day forth, it's no longer networking for Jim. Well, I think it's authentic relationships. I think he's become a relationologist today. And I think what really is that, and it may be a Damascus Road experience, and it's the glare off your head. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and they don't even have the bright lights on yet today. <laughs> this is good. This is Sorry, good. worse by yours, you my friend. You said it, I'm thinking, I got that one. But it is, 
It is the depth of relationships. And, and what's funny is that I, I, we have, you know, so we're, we're in our early 50s, Matt, and we have a lot of friends who are giving up on their marriages and are they're just going out there being single. I'm like, what on earth are you thinking? Whew. At 50 years old, you want to start all over again? You can work on that marriage, make it better, make it stronger, make it, make it faster. You can rebuild it. The whole bionic man kind of, you know, intro, you can fix it. But to start over in your 50s, and, and those re- and to damage all the relationships because when you get divorced, it destroys relationships you've had for a lifetime, and and that's really, that, that, I mean that's immediately where I went to because Martha and I do a lot of marriage mentoring on the side and I think of I think of all of the our, our the people that we've seen give up on relationships because it got hard and messy, but then to look at what do they have to look forward to now they're 60 and they're single they're 70 and they're single, that I mean that. That's tough. Yeah, and, and, and I think you've hit the, hit the nail on the head. You know, a lot of people are dogmatic and judgmental and religious about marriage and divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the reason why God is for marriage and against divorce is simply because it damages so many relationships and it damages who you're becoming mm-hmm. in God and who you, who you can be and fully thrive. I have, where, where did this name come from, Matt Bird? Cinnamon uh, International. Hey, Jim, you, you, you know your scriptures well. In, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses uses an anointing oil. Absolutely. And one of the ingredients of the anointing oil is sweet cinnamon. I didn't remember that. But there's a lot of ingredients in that anointing oil, yeah, if I there remember is. it. Well, actually, our name has nothing to do with that. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. That was very cool. But he just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. you that. acted very spiritual by saying those things. Yeah, so that's, that's why good. I said it. You, know, so but we, we, you we do were... have the master's degree in, in uh, what do you call it? Well, I've got a bachelor's in theology and master's in missiology. So... Missiology. Okay, yeah. so the, the bachelor's in theology. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, there we still go. Sound so, very so where did it really come from? So where it really came from, there were a group of enthusiasts meeting with me to talk about what we were going to do in the UK. And I love Indian food, so we were meeting in an Indian restaurant called the Cinnamon Club. And so when we needed a name early one morning, it's the first thing that came to mind. I wish I could give you a more inspirational answer, but it was the spicy eggs and kedgeree that inspired the name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. We're talking a lot about relationships, and you just totally destroyed my world saying that networking wasn't relationships, but relationship building was relationship building, which is really why you wrote this book, Relationology. But what was really cool is that while we were having a break here at, at Connection Central at the Christian Leadership Alliance Outcomes 2019 conference here in Dallas, Texas, one of the listeners in the live audience wrote a question for us. So okay. I'm going to go with the live studio audience question. This is absolutely the first time that's ever happened for every one of our shows. Over 1,300 shows never had a question from a live audience. It's fantastic. This, this, that's so right. So should we say thank you to the live audience? Thank you yeah. to our live audience. Woo! Live audience. All right. That's right. Okay. Most of them are drinking coffee. They're, they're, that's right. Okay. So here's, love the topic of relationality. I have a different dilemma. I love relationships and networking, but I don't like the business part of things. How can I better navigate, navigate conversations between personal and professional without that yucky feeling? Gosh. That's a great oh. question. That's a great question. So you, you almost feel like you're prostituting yourself in order to have relationships so you can sell something. Yeah. So, and, so, yeah, so I, I would basically advise you, don't, don't distinguish between professional and personal. I have a friend, a very senior chief executive of a big business, and he says to me, Matt, all relationships are personal. You can only have a personal relationship. 
So if you're finding it slightly uncomfortable switching between relating to your friends and personal relationships and then building relationships for your business, I'd encourage you to take down the wall, to take down the differentiation and basically say, actually, all my relationships are personal. And so as you go out there, build personal relationships in the marketplace. And in terms of, you know, selling, I think, is what he's getting at. Yeah. Sure. Jim, do you think? I, I do think that. I have a friend in South Africa, and he says to me, don't be a solution looking for a problem. Be a problem solver looking for a solution. So don't go out there and elevate a pitch your idea and your product and your service to everybody you meet. Shut up. Listen. Ask questions. Understand people. Understand their deepest need. And only then try and help them by offering them a solution. And it may be your solution, or you may need to refer them to somebody else, but you're, the, the benefit of building the relationship in that way is you can genuinely help them, whether it's your product or service or somebody else's, because you've stopped and shut up and you've understood. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that, that Martha and I have realized as we have networked across the country, and as I learned to truly network, and I'm going to get to use that word. Uh, I, think, because, I think we've been relationally. Well, well, really, it's because when I started, when I sat down with somebody, whether I thought they could do business with me or not, and this is prior to, to I work for him, I found out who they were, their, I found out about their, their, their family, whatever their family looked like, whatever that was, and I always asked, could I pray with you before we were done having a networking meeting? And yet, B and I drove that, those that give to get to give. But I, when you really look at it, Jesus always gave. Always. He didn't ask first. Mm -hmm. Now, did he get some followers? Yes, he did. But he always gave more again. And so I always looked at that as like, I'm going to do what's always in their best interest, whether it benefits me or not. Because if I continue to do that sooner or later, it will. I will get what the Lord has intended for me yeah. through those relationships but I'm not doing it to selfishly get those things out of that relationship. Yeah, I thought you were developing a new social media strategy there. You know, you give to get followers. I thought you were talking about Instagram or Facebook or something. Well, we do. <laughs> we give away $100 million every day, but you have to be signed in at exactly the right moment on our Instagram okay. and Facebook page. Okay, there we go. It's fantastic. But give, give to grow, don't give to get. That's the, that's to grow. The... Oh, okay, all right, so explain that again. We've got a lot of people tuning in after the bottom of the half hour. Sure. Uh, talk about what's that give to grow thing. Yeah, well, networking, you know, you're taught give to gain, give to grow. Find somebody you want something from and give to them so they'll give back, so they'll reciprocate. Uh, I find that just a little bit manipulative. So I, I, I advocate a motivation and approach called give to grow. Give into a relationship and be generous in a relationship so that you might grow and be changed as, an ex as, as a result. And so that's the differentiation that I would draw between networking and relationology. And it's why I wrote the book. And I think that it, I want to delve into what the book really helps the person to, you know, take it, taking them through sure. all the chapters. But the, I think going back to, don't you think when you listen to Jim and his description of networking that he's really a relationship builder? Yeah, he is. He's really yeah. a relationologist. So this he's, is not he's really. Not We're doing radio here. Yeah, this but, is not a counseling but I think session. It's really, <laughs> I think it's important because his lens is already different, you know. It and is. So it I'm is. even thinking in my. Outbook, outlook, I have a folder called networking. I'm going to change it because it's actually where we've connected 
people together that we care about. Yeah. And that's relationship. Absolutely. And we wouldn't refer one person to another person if we didn't care about them because that's scary. Yes, yeah. so you have a wonderful alumni of radio guests, don't oh, you? Oh, yes. Of people you've met mm -hmm. and enjoyed and appreciated. And, and then and there's what some that we're not <laughs> sure about. Oh. <laughs> I knew well, that was coming. Yeah. Sometimes God sends a prophet think, into our lives, Jim, if there's <laughs> yes, conviction there. You know, and sometimes so, he sends heretics. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. Seriously, I'm just kidding. I, and, and I love this conversation because I, I, I do believe one of the things that I've seen management screw up in this country. I don't know anything about your country except for the fact that we defeated you and sent you back home. And we're grateful for that freedom. And we're grateful that we've wow. had that reverse influence. But what I do know is that companies that, un, that love and appreciate the people that work for them, uh, people that truly love in the marketplace through relationships, those are people who are successful. They might not make the most money, yep. but their success is measured in relationships. Yeah. So that when they, if there's ever a time where there's a serious need in their lives, they never have to worry about, do I have anybody to lean on? They have so many to lean on because they have relationships. They've yeah. loved on people. Yeah. 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 And coming back to your point, Gallup research says that 80% of people don't leave their job they leave their manager. Yes. Right. They leave their ma they're leaving a person, they're leaving a relationship because that manager is dysfunctional in one way or another. So, you know, if you're listening, you know, are you struggling with your manager? Uh, and uh, if you're a manager, are people struggling with you? Because the relationship between your team leader and your team is so critically important. So which of your books came first, the relationship book or relationology? Or oh, did relationology. They come? So the, okay. the relationology book, is, as, as, as you guys can see, is read. And this is a business book. Don't buy this and say to me, Matt, it doesn't quote the Bible. Well, it does actually, but it quotes it as ancient wisdom. Uh, but this is a business book. Mm -hmm. It's full of kingdom values. It's written for banks and financial institutions and professional services firms. But the relationship book, the green one, um, this is actually a Bible book. It's called The Relationship Book because I believe the Bible is a book about relationships. It's based on the premise, the Bible is about relationships, not about religion. And the whole story, Genesis to Revelation, is about God's relationship with humanity. Mm -hmm. So in this book, I think- And with the, the deep relationship with the people of Israel. That's yeah, well, still going on today. I mean, that's yeah, that's, yeah, it's ongoing. Yeah. So I picked 28 characters from the Bible and, and instead of drawing out some doctrine, I draw out some relationship principles. Because actually it's relationships that each of us have to navigate every day of our lives in our family, our neighborhood, our church, our workplace. So can people get those books on your website, cinnamoninternational.com? They can get it on Amazon. Go to Amazon.com, get it in paperback, get it in Kindle. But the other thing, your Another listeners... Another free plug right here and I yeah. work for him. <laughs> I mean, if, and if you're a bit broke, uh, sign up for A Minute With Matt. Go to aminutewithmatt.com. Every week I do a video blog, 60 seconds about a person I've met somewhere in the world and something I've learned from them about relationships. It's 60 seconds long and it's free to you. A minutewithmatt.com. Yeah. A minutewithmatt.com. Okay, very good. Okay, so sign up and they get a copy of your book. Yeah, absolutely. So why the Legos on the cover? Why the Lego people oh, on the cover? My designer thought it'd be rather cool. You know, how'd, how'd you illustrate relationships? And he's picked loads of those little Lego characters and splattered them across the front of the book. In fact, my kids have renamed the relationship book the Lego book. I love I, it because all the times I played Legos with our son and he had 
gallons Armies. of them. Yeah. Um, I had we had separate buckets buckets of all the people, and that's the part I liked playing with. I'm not so much building buildings and things like that, but all the little people and having them be together. Yeah, it's so fun, isn't it? I'm a relationship person. Yeah. So all right, so I, I want to go back. I want to go back to this. I love the conversation because it is about relationships. And if there's one thing that Jesus demonstrated. Over and 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 over again. He was interested in relationships. He yeah. was not interested. He's taking selfies while we're on the air. It's just unbelievable. All right, just you're just uh, jealous. Okay, I'm oh, jealous. You go. All right, so here we go. We're taking selfies on the air. All right. So, but Jesus demonstrated the relationships were most important. He was never interested in what people could give to him. He was interested in who they were and his and their relationship to his father. Yes. It was that was always his major concern. Yeah. So you, you wrote the relationology really as a plain glass version of truth that really comes from the scriptures. Absolutely. And it's what's at the heart of Cinnamon Network International. We're helping churches build a new relationship with their community and their city. So often churches are simply a Sunday show. And that's where all the resources and budget goes and we have a minimal impact on the culture in our communities and our cities and some of the the places in the world where you've got the highest levels of church attendance are also the places where there's the highest level of gun crime domestic violence and corruption why is that it's a privatized faith it's a it's a christian club land you know but actually the the church has a biblical mandate to build relationships in its community and city to see its transformation. The church is supposed to be the solution to all of the problems of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Jesus is the answer to all the questions they're asking. Yet so often we all huddle within those four walls and we forget that. We're talking with Matt Bird here from Cinnamon Network International. Check him out online, cinnamoninternational.com. But if you really want to get his weekly blog, a minutewithmatt.com. A minutewithmatt.com. A minutewithmatt.com. That's what it is. Check it out online. That's what you do. Okay, there's my worst British accents. accent right there. Okay, <laughs> but a minutewithmatt.com. And if you do that, if you, they sign up. You said they get a free book or $100 million. No, you what made was that it? Yeah, yeah. No, you do actually get a free book. It's called The Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective Relationship Builders. So if you sign up for my blog today, a minutewithmatt.com, you'll get a free ebook right into your mailbox. Free ebook. Very good. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Okay, Martha. So Matt, we're talking about relationship and building it for, you know, this whole concept of instead of networking and shallow, what can you give me and I give you, real relationship. And you started to allude to the fact of the church and what, how the church's role in our cities and yeah. what, let's talk about that conversation. Yeah, I mean, the Bible teaches us that we should seek the peace and prosperity of our cities. But so often churches are just seeking their own peace and their own prosperity. Uh, and it's about opening up. We're called to be, we're called to color and flavor, to sort and light the environments in which we live. So often the places that have the highest number of Christians in the population are some of the very same places in the world where there are highest levels of corruption, domestic violence, and gun crime. So, Okay, can we do this? In the highest number of Christians, quote unquote, I want to know what goes on in the cities where there's the highest number of Jesus followers, people that are really in, yeah. not by name, but they are sold out. Yeah, that's where we're seeing change and transformation, where the reputation of the church, instead of being known Excuse me. Instead of being known as a bunch of irrelevant bigots, bigots um, who are just down on everybody else, they're actually known for being for people and making a difference in the city and contributing to the life of the city. And actually, the church is known as being good news. I mean, how absurd what, is that? What an idea! Whoa! Who came up with that? <laughs> Well, 
Okay, so we've had the opportunity to talk with a few people that are living in the UK. I want to hear what's the Lord doing in the UK? How are you seeing us in those towns where the church is not a building, but the church is the body of Christ, sold out Jesus followers, moving in a country that is now, I mean, I believe the last statistic I heard about the UK was less than 2% quote unquote Christian. So that, 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 that a country that colonized half of the globe in the name of God today has really lost its way, yet there's a huge move, a resurgence of faith in Jesus in your country. Absolutely. So one of the things that Cinnamon Network has done, we find churches doing amazing stuff in the community that are running brilliant community impact projects. And we help those churches replicate that project across lots of other churches to save them reinventing the wheel. So we've now found 30 models of church-led social impact, and we've seen them replicate across 3,500 churches. One of my favorite projects, led by, it was started by a girl called Rachel, and she became aware of holiday hunger, the fact that in, the school, in school term time, kids from poor families get fed, right. and that's provided by the government. 1.4 million children a year get free school dinners. Now that's wonderful, but there's these inconvenient things called school holidays. And when the schools are closed, the kitchens are closed, these children go hungry. So Rachel phoned three friends in three churches and said, this holiday, let's make lunch for kids to go hungry. And that's exactly what they did. We met Rachel at that point and we said, Rachel, we love what you're doing. Would you like to give this away to lots more churches so lots more children can get fed in the holidays? She said yes. And in the first two years we worked with her, she actually, we helped her inspire 56 churches to start that lunch program across the country, and they fed 11,500 children. Wow. So if you think about 30 other projects like Make Lunch, replicated by 3,500 churches, you're getting a sense of what God is doing through his church to impact communities. Hmm. Well, That's and you're, so powerful. Yeah, and so, and so the, how do they take the lunch conversation? You can have a drink of water. It's okay. How do they take the lunch conversation and turn it into a gospel conversation? Do those Are the relationships building to, in the, within the community where they can take that conversation to the next level? That's a great question, Jim. I think it's really important when churches do stuff in the community, they don't do it uh, to get people to come to Christ and come to church. Now, that may sound uncomfortable for some people, but you see, Jesus hasn't loved us with terms and conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus hasn't loved us, you and me, with strings attached. He's loved us and sacrificed his life for us before asking anything from us. Yeah. Unconditional. That's Unconditional. Right. No strings attached. And, and I believe, therefore, churches need to serve their communities regardless of whether anybody comes to Christ or come to church. Because if we do it with that motive of only building them into the kingdom in that way, people see through it. Yeah. But when we love them freely as Jesus has loved us, of course they end up coming to Christ and come to church. But it's coming back to these relationships. Mm -hmm. Are we networking people into our church <laughs> or are we building authentic relationships with people? And it's like the, the same way. motivational question. I don't like the way you pointed at me. Are we networking people? <laughs> I was for not pointing any finger. It was, no, not hey, at all. We're talking with Matt Bird today from Cinnamon International. Check it out online, cinnamoninternational.com. You can also sign up for his daily blog, get a free book, a minute from a minutewithmat.com, a minutewithmat.com. And this is all made 
possible because of our relationship with the Christian Leadership Alliance. We're on location in Dallas, Texas today at the Outcomes 2019 conference. If you are a nonprofit centered on Jesus, this is a place you need to be next year, but you need to be involved with them all year long because of the ongoing educational tools and, and just the equipping tools on their website, christianleadershipalliance.org. All right, Matt Berber, running out of time. I want to hear some more stories. Tell us stories from the, the highways and the byways. I, I've been, I've been, um, we, we get calls from, we get, not calls, we get emails from people from across your group of islands, the, the UK, talking about the Lord doing amazing things. Yeah. What are you seeing on this? I mean, where are you at in, in the UK? What, what city are you in? So I live in a little place where we have a little yard game we play once a year. Well, we play it more than once a year, but the world looks on once a year. I live in a place called Wimbledon. Wimbledon. They, yeah. They, it was all like uh, tennis That's courts, the thing. But yeah. they clay because they couldn't afford the grass or something oh, like that. Isn't that what come it was? on, no. This is pucker. This is the real thing in our hood. And the world looks on. So I live in Wimbledon in London, and it's a wonderful place. All right. So in London, where again, what we hear about is that London's been taken over uh, by, by other cultures and that uh, it, it's lost and there's nothing good going on. But yet we know that's not possible. We know the Lord's moving around the globe. Tell us what you're seeing the Lord do yeah. in London. Yes. Because people, when the world gets so dark, the light gets brighter. Yeah, absolutely. So I talked about how we find churches and replicate projects to save other churches reinventing the wheel. The other thing that Cinnamon International does is we help churches in a city measure their impact. And this is something we've done in London and in fact 92 uh, cities across the United Kingdom. Wow. In one of the cities where we help the churches work together collaboratively to measure their social and economic impact, because churches we generally communicate value in story. But if we want to engage civically, we need to learn to communicate value in numbers and metrics and impact. Mm -hmm. So what Cinnamon International does is we help churches become bilingual. So we work with this city in, in the UK to measure their impact. And the city government were amazed. It's incredible what the church was doing. They were stunned. And they said, we would love to work with the churches in this city. But there's one small problem. There are loads of you. And there's only one of us. Do you think you could work together? Oh, wait a minute. You oh, said what? the government asked the churches to work together. Yeah. That must have been a riot a of a radical thought. Wow. <laughs> what, what could you say? And what did the churches say? How did they respond? Well, they swallowed their pride and they said yes. That's wow. There's so, the biggest miracle we've heard about on I Work For Him ever. All right. So this is happening in cities all around the UK. And, uh, and so the churches in the city formed a network, and now they're collaborating with the city and saying, actually, city, church, church, city, there are some social things that we're concerned about that we have in common. We are concerned that young people are not being fostered and adopted. We are concerned that young people are being excluded from school. And so the church and the city have agreed six areas of common concern. And now they've got six work streams trying to address each of those six social issues where the city and the church are working together. This is miraculous. That is miraculous. So what kinds of things are they seeing happen as a result? I mean, just um, at the city level, I mean, they're working together. They're trying to solve these things. And are they seeing progress? Yeah, seeing real progress. You know, sometimes the issues that cities identify uh, are around the welcome and resettlement of refugees. Okay. I mean, we found a church uh, who uh, for five years had been welcoming refugees. Whenever a refugee was rehoused in the city, 
the city government gave them a referral. So the church was able to go and welcome them and say, hey, welcome to our city. It's great to have you here. I met the senior pastor, and uh, he was saying most of the people we baptize now are, are refugees and immigrants. It's not why they were doing it, but as a result of that unconditional love, people were coming to Christ and coming to church. Amen. What are those six things the church is working together to help the government accomplish? Really quick. Really quick. Uh, fostering and adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, excluded young people from schools, antisocial behavior in town centers, road deaths, uh, homelessness, and addiction. Wow, fantastic. Wow, Matt Bird, Cinnamon International, Cinnamon Network International, thank you so much for being on iWork Frame today. Thanks. We could have done this for three hours. I really appreciate your time today. It was great thank to you. have you. That's it's what you're supposed to, to say. Here. Thank you. Right. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I was a bit slow right. there. Thanks also to the Christian Leadership Alliance that make this possible. It's been amazing. In front of this huge audience, we love it. It's been so much fun. You've been listening to I Work Ram with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.